0: for joining me on the latest Mordcast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Um, former Nuggets owner Red McCombs uh, passed away a couple days ago, as of this recording, and um, since the Denver Nuggets have seen fit to not m- publicly mention this, as someone who, uh, as you will find out in this podcast, literally saved the Nuggets from being contracted, Um I would like to publicly acknowledge the death of Red McCombs and give people an idea of just how significant he was in Denver Nuggets history. Um, there is no, uh, there is no real figure in the early part of Denver Nuggets NBA history. Well, there's two actually there's Carl Shearer and then there is, uh, Red McCombs. um, And let's kind of go over this. And I'm gonna first. I'm gonna talk about um, the early Nuggets and NBA Nuggets. Um, So the the Nuggets that came in as of 1976, and then how that set up what happened when Red McCombs came in and basically saved the team from being contracted. Um, The Nuggets came into the league in 1976. They were one of the four teams that came in. Um, There was a bit of a caveat. There was a couple caveats that happened um, in order to let the four ABA teams in. Um, And let me let me be 100 percent blunt here. There was eight or nine uh, ABA teams. That we even going back to maybe even ten a couple years before that were all eligible to be uh, merged with the NBA Uh, forces, including uh, Oscar Robertson's lawsuit against the uh, antitrust lawsuit against the NBA delayed the uh, merger. The Nuggets always had ownership uh, issues going all the way back to the guy who uh, brought the team. Well, com- technically moved the team, even though they weren't existing yet. Um, went from Kansas City to uh, to Denver um, uh, as the Larks back in 1967, um, right before they, the ABA was formed. The, the dawn of the ABA was 1967. And uh, the Nuggets already always had ownership issues, going back from Bill Ringsby, who was technically their first actual owner, through the to you know he named them denver rockets to about 1974 in 1974 uh carl Sheer came to denver and one of the conditions that carl Sheer had to come over was he had to own the denver nuggets with uh what he what and amounted to be a consortium of of friends and the nuggets went through a transition period through the beginning of their aba time or excuse me, to the end of their ABA time, to the beginning of the NBA time. So there was a period of like two years where there was kind of this, kind of like the Nuggets in the late 90s, where there was this weird kind of nebulous ownership situation. Um, But Carl Shearer was steering the ship. Everything about Denver uh, went through Carl Shearer from 1974 to 1982. And uh, Shearer brought Larry Brown with him, Doug Moe with him, um, and basically the North Carolina buddies um these were all people who were remnants of the Carolina Cougars and they um made their way to Denver and the really the the first golden era of Denver Nuggets basketball and arguably their most uh, talented and successful team um began with Carl Scheer coming over well as I said before contingent on that was a uh not necessarily contingent but sheer saw an opportunity and really a need to save the nuggets um who i forget who owned them before i think B- ringsby had left before that i believe um ringsby always had issues he owned a trucking company out here and, and anyone tells you with trucking companies they uh jerry mcmorris had a uh, the uh, first principal owner of the rockies had a trucking business and when that goes south it goes south big time so ringsby in, ran into money issues uh sheer comes in gets all of his basically what it was described to me at the time was all of his buddies um uh, and there was a ton of owners different owners of this denver nuggets team who ended up buying the denver nuggets and laying the groundwork for the merger with the nba now the conditions for the merger with the nba were onerous um they were essentially penalizing uh aba teams for coming in. Now the Nuggets succeeded despite that because they won 50 games their first year. And they already had McNichols Arena and people who don't don't remember this, but from about 1974 to well, maybe 75, excuse me, when McNichols came in and to about 79, the Denver Nuggets led basketball in attendance um non-college basketball in attendance um they were uh, always selling out um and the mcnichols at that time was one of the larger arenas in the uh in basketball the never nuggets fever basically has when they mer- merger with the nba was at an all-time high uh nuggets go to the western conference finals in 1978 uh so the 77-78 season and it was looking to be sky's the limit. There was a big crucial moment that happened, and it was the big pivot point for the consortium led by Carl Shear that owned the Denver Nuggets. Um, David Thompson was eligible to be signed elsewhere. And it was well known that the, the Knicks uh, and a couple other East Coast teams were really, really planning on making a heavy push for David Thompson. Thompson wasn't necessarily wired that way he he just kind of like playing basketball uh he was from uh North Carolina and uh, went to North carolina state and uh just basically saw basketball as something that he did um and in the off season of nineteen seventy eight the consortium uh signed David Thompson to what was the largest con- contract in professional sports um and it, I think it was for a total of $5 million, if I remember correctly. But it was, it was at the time, and this is the late 70s, it was, it was at the time an enormous contract. And the Nuggets didn't, couldn't really afford that. In fact, um, due to some conditions, as I pointed out, that were, that were agreed to as entry into the uh, um, NBA, The Nuggets were uh, penalized by having to give a percentage of their profits, TV money profits, which wasn't as big back then. The NBA was still going through some drug issues at that time Um, and uh, as later would be evidenced by David Thompson's descent into drug abuse. um, It was a, a, a bad time for the league and the aba teams were penalized most not and then the nuggets as badly as they were financially hit by uh having to give a percentage of their tv money to um uh, the silvas who owned the spirits of st louis who somehow negotiated this uh, unbelievable deal where they got in perpetuity a percentage of the nba rights and they ended up getting millions upon millions upon millions of dollars from this deal, um, all the way up to about, I think 19, or excuse me, 2014, I think was in the NBA finally, and the four ABA teams were released from this onerous thing, but it really affected the four ABA teams. It cut into profits and made a lot of the teams financially unviable. Uh, that includes the, um, San Antonio Spurs, which, uh, Red McCombs owned at that time. Um, It was a very hard way to try to make a viable business, and some of this had to do with a high resistance from the NBA, within the NBA, um, um, elements within the NBA due to teams and some in the league office, and we will get to that. Um, were highly resistant on the merger and specifically did not want some of the smaller market teams to come in. They didn't. They didn't mind the Nets. The people that minded the New York Nets coming in from the ABA was the New York Knicks, and they negotiated a deal that was horrendous and basically caused the and made the Nets move out of New York in order to be able to get into the nba which was an unbelievable and it caused them to uh lose julia serving um to the philadelphia 76ers upon that upon that uh, merger uh and they didn't recover financially for ages um but the Denver Nuggets were part of this deal, along with the Indiana Pacers and the San Antonio Spurs. And the the financial conditions were so bad that it affected the consortium that owned the Denver Nuggets. The, they could never get on any good financial footing, even though they were leading the league in attendance. And once attendance started dipping, the this consortium started losing more and more money. And this created enormous problems and it was likely it wasn't because of the contract that david thompson signed but the contract became an anchor they couldn't get out of because by the time uh the 80s dawned um thompson was so far into cocaine abuse that his play had deteriorated to an enormous extent um and Carl Shearer did what he could in um, trying to negotiate around that, which was a well-known cocaine issue by, by this point. Shearer traded uh, George McGinnis, which was an acknowledgment that he had made a mistake change, trading Bobby Jones to the uh, to the 76ers in exchange for McGinnis. Um, within a year and a half McGinnis was traded back to his original team the Indiana Pacers for Alex English. Alex English would be the standard bearer that would carry the Nuggets through the 80s. Um but and that was in 1979. The uh but the dipping attendance which had to do with largely due to the drug issues in the NBA um and it's ongoing financial struggles to pull it. So Larry O'Brien was the commissioner of the NBA at this time. And it created a situation where the Nuggets were always behind the eight ball. And they really probably at the, at the time, probably the consortium was a good idea to rescue from, from the previously cash strapped ownerships. They negotiated specifically Carl Shear, negotiated the entrance in the NBA, which was a minor boon. And then up until 78, things were going great. But it, as of 1978, things started getting bad. Um, and the combination of factors from Thompson's co- contract to the the drug problems in the NBA and the uh, Kermit Washington, Rudy Tomjanovich Tom punch um, and all of this stuff started started financially affecting the nba in general and by the time you get to 1980 81 the league was in a bad place and the nuggets were even in an even worse place the uh the consortium was cratering money um several had dropped out um the carl sheer was was desperately looking around for help financial help um No one knew if the Nuggets would be able to survive. Um, The Nuggets were, on that time, kind of going through their mid-period between the Larry Brown years and um, Doug Moe. Doug Moe took over for um, Donnie Walsh in 1980 and would guide them through the 80s, just like Alex English. Um, By the time we get to 1981... Things are so bad within the league and within the Nuggets that there were serious thoughts within the league and within certain circles here in Denver that the Nuggets would no longer exist. Their financial situation was uh, unbelievably poor. Attendance wasn't going to be able to help them due to the factors that we already saw. And on the second half of the podcast, I'm going to tell you about how Red McCombs, former owner of the San Antonio Spurs, came in on a white horse to save the Denver Nuggets. But first, I want to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazi, in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field right in the middle of the Dairy Block. They are always online at bfwcolorado.com. They got a branch in Fort Collins now. That is a big hit. Uh, if you're in the north side, if you are someone who is uh, uh, a big fan of wines up there in uh, northern Colorado, go check them out in Fort, Fort Collins. But the, the Dairy Block is my, my standby, my favorite location to go in Denver. They got uh, Reds, Whites, Rieslings, Blends, Rosés, Local Colorado wines, as well as wines that were made from grapes in Sonoma County. Basically, uh, everything you need in a local Colorado wine bar. Um, try the 2000, I think it's a 2019 Cabernet now, and they also have the blends. Um, they will they circle in different varietals of wines. Uh, I'm a Reds fan, but they, I've heard their whites are very good. Uh, and the Rieslings from Colorado are actually good. If there's one grape a varietal that... Uh, uh, colorado specializes in its rieslings i i I don't like the sweetness of it but it is very very good from what i'm told so if you want to try out some of the local colorado rieslings from the western slope go ahead and try that out once again, they're located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazi, in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Course Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at BFWColorado.com. They are on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSU Podcast sent you. Red McCombs was a brash texas businessman I, I wrote about him in my article on the bino lee ownership and he, there's some fateful decisions that were made from 1982 to 1985 that really guaranteed the nuggets trajectory um, but from 82 to 89 they had st- pretty stable ownership even though they were sold by McCombs in 85 um to uh, uh sydney uh schlenker and Schlanker kept the basically for four years, but he attempted to sell the Nuggets for after only two years. Um, but going back to 1982, Carl Shear was at a, basically at a crisis point with the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets were hemorrhaging money. Um, they were in such bad financial state that the league office got wind of what was going on and won David Stern. David Stern was lead counsel of the NBA. He had actually been a big part in the negotiations of bringing the ABA uh, NBA merger to fruition. Um, one of his biggest regrets was negotiating the uh, TV deal thing with the Silvas, uh, who on Spirits of St. Louis, that really guaranteed that the ABA teams would always be on terrible financial footing. Um, and it, but one of the things about Stern. That is little talked about, but Stern was not a big fan of the merger in general. This was something that was done as a necessity, because the NBA in the 70s wasn't in a tremendous spot. Um, uh, Once the Celtics reigned, and once, actually, basically once the the Knicks, uh, who had won their title in 70, was it 73? Once the Knicks had ended their reign, and Boston won in 70, Five and then again in 70, 74, and then 76. Um, once that trend stopped happening, the from the ABA merger on, TV ratings, um, TV deals, drug drug issues, and all that stuff started taking over. And by 76, there was kind of this anticipated need for this. The ABA merger was being negotiated all the way back to the late 60s. Um, the NBA, even though owners in, within the NBA were not a fan of it, the, look at it this way. ABA stats are not included in NBA stats. AFL, in the in, as opposed to the NFL, where AFL stats are included. When, But the whole leagues merged back then. The ABA only merged four teams. And they were, at the time, the four most financially stable teams, with the addition of uh, the Kentucky uh, Colonels, which uh john y brown wasn't included in that he was the owner then of the colonels and then he ended up later owning the boston celtics in the early larry bird era um the 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 teams that came in david stern was not a fan of and in particular the, the the mountain states um the by the time the early 80s rolled around the jazz had moved to uh utah and they were in financial peril as well. Both Denver and Utah were seen as targets for contraction. And it was being pushed by David Stern. Um, keep in mind, Stern was not commissioner at this point. And if he was commissioner at this point, even... I, I am not convinced that the Nuggets would exist. Uh, Stern had a very low view of basketball and its ability to be viable within the mountain states and uh but there was a last ditch attempt um dave Checkitz was sent to um the the utah jazz to basically rescue them kind of like what uh david stern did to save his own face in 19 uh 91, when he brought in Tim Laiweke to take over as team president of the Nuggets. Um, there, and basically he was installed, and people don't know this, but uh, Tim that he, he went to, uh, it wasn't a then, he went to ComSat and said, you will take Tim Laiweke and he will, he will guide your ship. And thank God that he did, because he really started helping out uh, the chaotic situation, which I've covered many times in the past. So he did that with Utah, but there was no such solution for Denver. Denver, because they were owned by a consortium, uh, they needed to be on better financial footing, and there was serious push, led by Stern, to contract the Mountain States teams. Red McCombs had owned the Spurs up until about 1979, 80, right around there, and he sold up his shares and wasn't really doing anything. Um he knew Doug Moe because Doug Moe was the uh coach of the Spurs in the late 70s. And uh you know with George Gervin those those teams that merged in with the NBA. The McCombs basically came in on a white horse to save the Denver Nuggets. He identified their financial peril. Uh he had made his money, I mean uh, he had owned several sporting teams throughout his entire life um sold the minnesota vikings he bought the vikings in 98 and then sold them in like 2005 because he couldn't get a stadium or something like that but he went through a couple you know af nfc championship uh reigns and stuff like that so by the time mccombs gets to gets to denver a lot of things had to be done Carl Scheer, as brilliant as he was, was a terrible um, X's, uh, financial X's and O's person. Um, and he had run the Nuggets essentially for eight years by this point. And one of the things that um, McCombs did was reduce Scheer's role to just being GM. And then by the time 1984 rolls around year no longer with the, the Nuggets that's when uh, uh McCombs brought in Vince Barilla who really was the architect of the uh 1984-85 Denver Nuggets run to the uh, Western Conference Finals Macomb's really loved owning the Denver Nuggets um him coming in in 82 at it wasn't at the behest of the league this was carl sheer once again um all credit to him he identified someone who could come in and add the financial where, wherewithal to buy the denver nuggets and uh he came in and basically turned the nuggets into a stable franchise and the run they went on from 82 to 85 was almost entirely due to the the yeoman's work that red McCombs did to stabilize the franchise um he got interest in the nuggets back up he knew what to do because he was a previous nba owner he he just he wasn't buying them as a vanity project you know project he had owned the spurs had moved had had moved the spurs to san antonio when they were in the aba he um basically identified and he was this big te- Texan basically is what he was but his wife specifically really loved owning the Denver Nuggets they, they she they red mccombs for years afterwards regretted selling the Denver Nuggets in 1985 uh he sold them to his f- friend sidney schlanker and basically over dinner um <laughs> they were at dinner at the brown palace sidney uh Sidney Schlinker says, Big Red, I want to buy your team, and then uh, ends up selling the Denver Nuggets to Sidney Schlinker for twenty eight million dollars. But in the eighty two there was no such plum. There was no there was no bloom on that rose. The Denver Nuggets were a depressed and extremely uh, uh, in danger of no longer existing asset. It is not hyperbole to say, no Red McCombs, no Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets would have been contracted. David Stern, specifically as lead counsel of the NBA at the time, was pushing to contract the Denver Nuggets. Um, And you know, the first time I ever heard this story was years ago, Irv Brown, a venerable a uh, sports talk host and, and a former uh, uh, college ref and, um, and who broadcasted the Nuggets games for a- ages, um, you know, RIP, by the way, loved Irv. Um, he uh, told the story over and over about how Red McCombs was the best owner in Nuggets history about the guy who came in genuinely cared about the team and uh, saved the team from David Stern, basically. And still, uh, it's amazing how things changed in the intervening years after McCombs owned the Denver Nuggets. And if there is a moral to a story here, and I think if, if any of my tales about Nuggets history will teach you anything, is that ownership matters. Ownership matters in ways that you just can't intangible ways that you you can't put your finger on beyond what's going on on the court, what's going on in the field. Denver Broncos went through this, this for the last, when Pat Bolin stepped down in 2013 until they were sold in 2022, there was a giant vacuum there of ownership and you saw the results. Yes. The Broncos won a Super Bowl in 2015, but they also floundered and had no, were basically directionless for the intervening seven years after that. The Denver Nuggets were an example of that and have been an example of that throughout their history. Um, in 1989 it happened again. The Nuggets' luck with ownership has been both very fortunate and very awful. And there you can go through the entire history of Denver ownership from the awful, awful awful ownership they had in the early their early times uh, in the ABA to the the um, Carnival Barker, innovative, yet not X's and O's savvy Carl Shear era, to the wonderful Red McCombs era, um, the still-good-but-not-as-great Sidney Schlenker uh, era, to the awful, dreadful, ghastly, <laughs> commset Peter Bino-Bertram Lee ownership era, to Stan Kroenke, who's been good, and the Nuggets—they're—they're—they're they're, they're kind of a, an example of what it means to have good, stable ownership, and they're also an example of what not to do. It's—it's—it's <laughs> it's, it's been their history. Their 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 entire history is a lesson, and it's also one of the reasons I have always had kind of taken an askance view of David Stern. Uh, and his motivations for doing certain things with the denver nuggets it may have been financially it may have been financially better and uh, league overall health wise better for the nuggets to have been contracted and the utah jazz to have been contracted in 1982 when they were both having awful financial problems but at the same time it took the innovation and forward thinking of 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 Red McCombs and the steady hand to prove that basketball can be in Denver. And I think that part is, is, is uh, the lesson that I take away from this, you know, RIP Red McCombs, 95 years old, man lived an amazing life. Man owned many sports teams and, and really, I mean, he was, he was a maverick in the truest sense of the word, the guy owned the, the, the San Antonio Spurs twice. He sold the the nuggets in 85 and bought the Spurs back in 87, sold them again in 93, bought the Minnesota Vikings. The man was just like, uh, you know, just a, a great, 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 great owner. And everywhere he went, he was absolutely beloved. He never sold teams because he wasn't good. He sold teams because he just wanted to. So he, uh, it's just this is the lesson here, and I know I'm 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 getting lectury right now, but this is what we need to think about when we think about Rick McCombs. He is really, arguably, the most important owner in Denver Nuggets history. A man who came in and saved this team from the league, and turned it into a viable now 57-year NBA NBA franchise. It's pretty amazing. Alright, thank you all for joining me in the latest cast. I'll be back soon with another episode. Goodbye.